Greetings, fellow Slingers. Welcome back to Roll the Hard 20 Podcast. It is I, your trusted handler, Brian, welcoming you once again to another one of our Delta Green campaigns. I have for us this evening the Delta Green scenario, a victim of the art written by Dennis DeTwiller. Dennis, I hope I'm saying your name correctly. If not, please write into the show at rollahard20podcast at gmail.com and let me know how to correctly say your name. Find us on any one of our social media or footprints as well, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and of course our YouTube channel itself. Let me know there. All that being said, I have with me in the rage room, seated round the table of judgment, fellow hard slingers of yore, but you have to wait until the episode proper to know who they are. All that being said, we sat around that table for hours, hours last night, I tell you, and we got not one episode, not two, not three, not four, but five episodes of this awesome, awesome scenario. So all that being said, warm up your dice and top off your glasses. Roll the Hard 20 podcast presents our victim of the art scenario run through part one. Enjoy. Yeah, he's all GM'd out, man. We better get this done in the next forty in the next fifty minutes, because you know it's at five o'clock. You know what time it is, right? (laughs) Oh shit. (laughs) We're still in the intro right now. I can still beep your shit out of you. (laughs) In in, in fifty minutes, I'm gonna remind you that it's five o'clock. Okay. And we all know what time that is. (laughs) Hope it's not time to call Eric. He doesn't he doesn't listen to the show anyway, so it doesn't matter. (laughs) Call Eric. (laughs) That'd be a long call. Uh, You look tired. (laughs) <laughs> so just like before last time, uh, I want to start this episode off. Good start. <laughs> <laughs> the end. <laughs> Let me introduce ourselves first. Greetings, fellow slingers. Welcome back to Roll the Hard 20 podcast. It is I, your trusted handler, Brian, welcoming you once again to the Rage Room. And with me, my hard slingers of yours, Samwise. Tone dog, and here we are. Yeah, yeah, all right, man. Up, now we're talking. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that was awesome. I don't have anything like that. Well, that you don't have the balls that we do. Those were our ball sacks, just full of doubloons. Yeah, doubloons and, and coins. Here's your coins. That's my man pouch. Should I take out my Glock and throw around a couple rounds to the ceiling? No, but the kids are upstairs, dude. Oh, that so go out in the basement. That way, kitty corner. That's where the uh, <laughs> guitar player. <laughs> yeah, that's where the. <laughs> nah, let them go into the and cross play over there. <laughs> so just like last time, before we begin this uh, this scenario, I want to go ahead and do another after action report for mm-hmm. what we did for Sins of the Father. So when you guys wound up going to the San Onofre area where you were going to the plant, there were several things that you had to do. When you were going there, you were told that there was this, this Dr. Adam Hissler who was biologically linked to Hitler, that at some point he had gotten this temporal field displacement device to work meaning that at one point he had gone back in time and fathered him. So you two were tasked with going into this plant, which was a, an independent facility that did side work for the government, and taking this dude out as well as getting the relays, getting schematics, and uh, there was something else you guys had to do. I forget what it was. Smash some little Yeah, thing. smash the computer. 
the take the, the computer yeah. offline or whatever. And also retrieve the. I have it. I have it right here too. Oh, well. I don't. Yeah, you Tell were to destroy the the CPU. Yep. Yeah, insulate and eliminate Adam Hissler. Yeah. Destroy the main CPU interface. Sounds Move familiar. relays and take them. That sounds familiar. Bring back all records on the TFDD. That's right. Schematics or, or anything you could find that that showed how to build this fucking thing. Basically, you get the idea that the agency wanted to do something with all this information. One out of four ain't bad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, hey. You guys were close. I, I'll give you that. You guys tried to do your best with old Hissler. I mean, you had him in the in the corner. <laughs> he kept Dude. getting away from your guy. Yeah, it almost seemed my years like of training. <laughs> it almost seemed like a... I blame like, the DM like, for not doing that correctly. Well, good thing we have no DM here. Yeah. Uh, it always seemed like... A, Paulie was just trying to take your head off with that fucking handgun. I well, mean, he want it's new. He wanted to try yeah. it out. <laughs> <laughs> to see how well we could fire this thing off in the hallway. <laughs> but I think that that some of the things that, uh, like, I, I don't like to reveal the magic because I always want people to try to figure out the highbrow scenario for themselves without giving them too much hand-holding. But basically, I did have a, a plan for this whole thing where that and I had to write a diagram, Sam. You'd love this diagram. It has A, B, and C. Wow. Always be and cocky. I like that. Always you like be that? Cocky. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to remember that next <laughs> time you post something. A, B, C. I mean, just for you, Sammy, we signed my photograph. <laughs> so basically, here's what the, the overarching idea was was that Adam Hitler goes back in time and he bumps Hitler's father out of the running for being Hitler's father. He doesn't kill him, he just. He interjects himself in the relationship where he actually, yeah, he actually starts up a relationship with a woman and becomes the father of this child with this woman, who then uh, goes on to become the body double of Hitler. So that's how they were able to match him through DNA. That that was the person that died in the bunker. The guy that got bumped met another woman and actually had Hitler as a child. So that he was still the father of the actual Hitler if he actually wound up in Argentina or wherever they, those Nazis Brazil wound up. Brazil or something. Someplace like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but So he, you would have stopped him from creating his body double, which then might have made it to where Hitler was actually in the bunker or not. You know, it's kind of like a high cerebral aspect of it. But I just thought that was kind of cool that, for my own idea, <laughs> I thought that was kind of cool. But that was cool. Luckily, your arms are long enough to pat yourself on the back. I, like I could that. do that. I could also <laughs> give myself my own reach around, too. But, uh, <laughs> That's okay, but time isn't. <laughs> I just Boy. beeped that. You know I did. <laughs> just beeped that. It's not even 5 o'clock. It's one here. of these volume here. No, it's all over here. He's like really like just... <laughs> Actually, it seems oh, yeah. pretty hot tonight. Um, the fuck was that? It's five o'clock somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I just turned his mic down a little. Say something, Tom. You know what it is. What's it's that? always five o'clock somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> that song takes on a whole new meaning. <laughs> All right. So moving on from... So what was difficult about that was I thought, well, first of all, I was playing in a role that I never... It was all about electronics and this and that. I'm like, I have no frigging clue about any of that. To even role play like I do, I don't. But, but in the real world... Real world, in the real world, that's not really a an acting factor in it, though, because it's all based on what your your character knows. Just like you, you'll never know how to you know cleave somebody twain with a shield. 
Can you cast fireball too? Yeah, yeah. I've blasted out gas. I just need to figure out how to ignite uh, ignite it now. Tony, fire <laughs> off your round right as he squeezes one. There we one go. Out. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, like, between character knowledge and player knowledge, it's it's two different things. So your character would have known had you made the rules, or you actually got to the CPU main. Unfortunately, my character doesn't either. So, <laughs> but you didn't have to like communicate. No, with I, it. You I just had, had to destroy it. Yeah, I had the uh, yeah, but to to uh, play the part of someone who can act the part. You know, like if my character could act the part, that's one thing. But I don't know what to even do. But that was the one difficult thing. The second one was. There were so many different things we had to do, and it was like, oh, great, now we got the Hissler guy. Well, we can't do anything else if we're all blasting down the hallways, which ended up saving us. Well, did I show you the diagram of the area, though? You did. I mean, you guys met Hissler, like when you were choking him out. You were right in front of the door of mm-hmm. the mainframe. Right. But we never got a chance to, because... Well, I, he even told you, though, the, the guy... That was uh, yeah. He told us where the CPU room exactly was. exactly where it was. He yeah. said you go down the hallway, you make a right, and it's the first door on the right. You guys went all the way down the hallway to the second door on the right, which is where you try uh, to make your last stand, one. which is when you broke the SIM chip, stuck it in each other's anus, you know, like some <laughs> wild Pisces. I put it in fish. mine. He put it in his. Come on, that's no, not... you didn't. You know, that's not true. <laughs> it's five o'clock. Trying to ram that SIM chip. <laughs> That's not a Sim chip. No, it's a Sam chip. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the, the thing was, too, is so I was trying to be quiet. And so I'm trying to lock the dude up. Somehow, magically, this scrawny doctor is unlocking my many years of martial arts training on him. Not once, time. but twice. <laughs> Three times, a lady, baby. Was it? Uh, yeah, I don't know. You'd almost think like it, it was... A chance roll of the yeah. dice yeah. that yeah. made that work. No, I, I oh. think that it was because there was something else going on with you can him. You could probably think that there might have been something to do with that because, I mean, I know that that you're just as much into the lore as I am about the Vril mm-hmm. Society and how they influenced the Nazis and how that it's quite possible they had alien DNA within themselves. What's he talking about, Tom? I'm not really sure. Maybe some lizard. Yeah, people. yes, it's a sign. <laughs> I had no idea what she was talking about. But yeah, I, so yes, I assume because sign. we're agents in this world, and this world is not as it seems, there are things going on in this world that cannot be uh, comprehended by mere mortal men. And there are. And, and just like the, the whole put-together world of Delta Green is, you guys are just shoveling shit against the tide. It just keeps coming back, sometimes with, with harder force. And it's all you can do to kind of keep everything at bay because of that. You know, it's, it's not like, well, hopefully it doesn't end in January. Maybe we could push it off to March. Is that something to do with the president election? No? No, I was thinking more about the, the <laughs> lockdown that we had earlier oh, in the year. But that's all right, though, too. <laughs> yeah. You guys sound great via Zoom. <laughs> Second lockdown. Yes, we've had one lockdown, but have you heard of second lockdown, which probably will turn into third lockdown and fourth lockdown. They should do that at bars. The last call, then second last call. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right, Sammy. Thank you. We could call the bar second call. That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that was the thing, like trying to make it quiet. And then it was like he escaped. Now we just got to go. Cassidy and Sundance style. <laughs> and that was that's what was funny because the... Delta Green's not really meant to get in this role for initiative and and start having shootouts and stuff because one bullet can just take you out 
and that's it. I Shit, mean, I took two. <laughs> leading out, you had yeah. double hit points that, that I did. Paulie did. He only two had one. Two versus one. Yeah. <laughs> Each. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead and start on uh, on our new scenario that we're going to run this evening. It is called A Victim of the Art. Ready? Ready. Ready. Hey. So it's October 21st, 2008. It's been more than three years since the San Onofre incident. Three. Yeah, three years since either one of you have uh, been to the opera. And this morning, that quiet lull is about to end. Individually, you both wake up before the sunrise in your respective residences, and sleep has been a problem for what seems like like years. And each of you know that that's not an exaggeration. It's just easier to get up every morning, get your coffee, make your bed, possibly meditate. Hopefully that helps assanguate the demons, try to keep them at bay. Maybe take some hooch here and there. It's difficult knowing that the history still exists that Hitler used this temporal field displacement device. And you don't know if that was a good thing, it was a bad thing, who knows who could have been erased from this or whatnot. But it is what it is. It's the morning time, the stars are still out. Like I said, both of you have trouble sleeping, so after you do your morning rituals, you make your way to your electronic devices, possibly to get caught up with the fake news that you both know is just a cover for the simulation <laughs> of the world you live in. After all, you've seen firsthand what really lies beneath the fabric of this, this world. Or maybe it's just to check your, your email. As you sift through the mind-numbing correspondences and delete the spam emails, you happen upon one email with a subject line that simply states, your ticket for your night at the opera is ready for pickup. The main body of the email contains a Xerox copy of a news leaf with information provided by a small conspiracy news organization known as Phenomen X. Its contents reveal minor information about two recent murders that have occurred in the quiet Long Island town of Glenridge, where a serial killer has begun to prey on the community. And the headline reads, Glenridge Chiropractor Strikes Again. Medical examiner of Suffolk County, Dr. Stephen Santorini, is baffled as a second murder victim is found with their spine and head missing. He's quoted as saying, these murders are the most disturbing things I've ever seen. At the bottom of the emails, an address and a time indicating for each of you to be at a specific donut shop in Ontario, California by 8 a.m. today. So, <clears throat> what time now? It's probably about 5.30 in the morning. Uh, with respect to gameplay, given since some of our stat sheets are still, re- are still skewed from three years ago, what kind of evaluation, what do we get to move them back or anything? Reset them all to your base with the exception of if you've lost sanity, how would you have repaired those bonds? Or if you had to, to take away from a bond mm-hmm. to heal your sanity. Because you don't just sleep and eventually sanity comes back. That's that's never what it's about. It's it's more about like if you if your sanity takes a hit of say seven points, you have to burn a bond or somehow create a new bond to burn later on or something. 
create a new bond. Santa would have had given birth. That's true to the child. But we're going to get into that. Okay. I'm actually going to, I'm not going to touch base on the bonds, but I'm going to touch base on something else with that. Okay. Well, here's the issue with respect to setting it back. I mean, we could go into a very developed backstory about it because I was thinking about that after reading the agent's guide. Okay. And what he would have done was he would have burned his um, bond with his. Okay, hold that, hold that thought, though. Hold that thought. Yeah, because I want you to tell me that. Oh, so I'm going to. In order to regain sanity, Polly <laughs> would have burned his bond with his brother Nick, suffering the ad- causing it to suffer because he's now neglecting his relationship with his brother. Are you telling that to me now, or are you going to wait? Or should I wait? Yeah. Well, I guess I should he wait. said you should just <laughs> wait. I'm not telling you. I'm, I'm waiting for 5 o'clock is what I'm waiting for. These things work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so as for your lives, Ichimaru, tell me what are your thoughts about how you were unable to stop Hissler three years ago? I look at it as myself as a failure in my training. So in the past time, I've been training even harder and studying different martial arts, not just karate and taekwondo, but more jujitsu, more uh, uh, wrestling, more boxing, just things that I could do better to, because I, I could not contain this, this Hissler. He kept breaking everything that I would lock him up in. Um, so I think that that whole mission, had I been able to hold him, would have went a different way. But he kept breaking every lock that I put on him. So would that also be a corresponding increase in your unarmed skill? So you've been, yeah, I was going to say. So you've been practicing your martial arts the whole time. Why don't you mm-hmm. increase your your unarmed combat by another ten percent? Oh, that's good. Should be in the far right column. Yeah, unarmed. Okay, that's awesome. Now. Knowing that you have to be someplace probably in about two and a half hours, how are you going to explain to your loved ones you leaving so early this morning? Or do you even bother to explain? Or What time have, is it right now? It's about 5.35. Yeah, no, I'm already up and out doing my routines by then. So they're not even worried about that? No. Okay. It's very, very different at home. They know that I uh, do my training early, whether it's running along, you know, uh, beach or on you know trail paths and things like that um they know that i don't have to um go to work till about 8 30 or 9 so me being up and working out and off to work is not a uh, thing that they would question okay good good for you ichimaru things still good with you and your sensei you still Yes, he loves my uh, my renewed interest in different uh, or in training, but does not necessarily like that I'm trying different martial arts mm. and using it sometimes in sparring in the dojong. I hope that doesn't hurt your bond with your son. <laughs> Polly. Well, since the birth of his son three years ago, Polly has become more and more focused on becoming a family man, and given his complete helplessness with the pistol has become training even harder, even asking for new and different assignments at the Naval Intelligence Center to become more of a focused operator rather than an analyst. So he's been asking for more and more field assignments in order to improve his, uh, his skills, strength, endurance, dexterity, and able to use a firearm because he almost died twice. So now he's very, very paranoid. And it wasn't just you that almost died. That's true. I mean, Paulie's got a strong sense of, uh, of honor, and I think that it probably would have affected him greatly had one of the people on his team died. Correct. You know, Luckily, for his lack of skill, or 
not lack of skill, right. but just being able to match the skill that was yeah yes well not even it was the second time because the first time same thing he was the only person yes, that couldn't can. contribute well, I, was, yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say <laughs> exactly chosen weapon at 10 percent to, to, to have full gas can yeah. <laughs> so he's been training he's been training with special forces guys seals delta anybody who he's had contact with has been frontline operators through his naval intelligence job well, he's in the Navy still. He's still in the Navy. So he's been even more dedicated to that because he realizes now he needs the benefits in order to pay for his kid. Now, uh, I did a couple die rolls to see whether or not he married Senna to introduce the random element. He didn't marry her, but they are living together. That's great. So that, having that's, a good relationship. That's awesome. Sinner. Spend the, oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, he's sinner all night long. <laughs> oh, yeah. I seen her naked. I seen her <laughs> in the shower. <laughs> yeah, she... Uh, she ha- I haven't thought about much about her, but I, mean, I guess it was uh, three years after the embassy, she would either have to rotate back to um, Sweden or she would have to do something in order to stay in the United States. So I have to think more about what she, what's happened to her. Well, why don't you go ahead and add 10% to your firearms uh, competency. Cool. So now you're due to leave first thing this morning as well, and you do live with Sana. Mm-hmm. Sana, right? Yep. Sana. And your young child. Yep. He uh, tells her that he's got to go into work. There's been an emergency call. Something's broke. She knows better than to ask questions because of his top secret clearance. So he just leaves. Well, let me ask you this, Paulie. Have you left like this since the San Onofre incident? Yes, he has. For the agency? Not for the agency. He's left a couple times because of work, legitimate, true work emergencies. But he's also left a couple times when he just needed to get away. And that was the time he claimed he was meeting with his brother, Nick and then didn't, and then flaked out from Brother Nick, which is one of the bonds that he has, has suffered. But it's recently been rekindled, being since Nick wants to be an uncle. So bringing in Living in life. sin, a liar too, wow. Yeah. That's right. Right. A great you know what that deserves? That deserves a gold <laughs> coin for being a liar. In <laughs> Ichimaru, for studying multiple martial arts and pissing off your sensei and burning part of his bond for... A gold doubloon. <laughs> no, I'm trying to find my D4. For one point. Who needs him, right? Yeah. You're going to surpass him anyways, right? It's my dojong. <laughs> <laughs> it's now 8 a.m. Oh, real quick. I'm sorry. Okay. For the people listening, uh, Ichimaru is Japanese, trains in a dojo, but his sensei, uh, who is also the father of his... Daughter? Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> the father of his uh, wife is Korean, so he trains in the dojang. I'm not uh, just mixing stuff up. So just for the people who were concerned about that, I'm on point. Yeah. Speaking of on point, <laughs> let me point out, it is now 8 a.m. And you, you stand... It's 5 o'clock. What the fuck? <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> so it's 8 a.m. <laughs> And you stand in a parking lot of an old Winchell's donut shop. It looks to have been defunct longer than it was operational. And for the first time in three years, the two of you are brought together again. Polly would have tried to reach out to each, especially to help repair some of the bond, uh, mainly because he was very close to the breaking point in his sanity. So he needed to talk to somebody else who had been through the same kind of experience. So he would have reached out to both... Each and Caldwell. Ichimaru. Yeah, I have his number blocked. Would you have taken (laughs) that call? Um, Yeah. 
uh, after the last uh, the last one, yes, because though in the end it was me dragging him out uh, to to uh, save us all, he was the one that put down the last guard or the, the the guard that was you know after us. So your newfound training definitely helped us out. Had we only had gas cans, we might not have made it. But to have reached out is one thing mm-hmm. via the cell phone or whatever but to actually see each other face to face in three years you guys are rekindled once again and it's just like when we get together you know it's like there's no time has passed oh you know who are we going to kill this week <laughs> that, that kind of thought you know <laughs> Polly good to see you it's been a while good to see you too it has been too long I'm sorry glad to, I, sm- to see you again and you seem to be doing very well sorry I don't uh, keep in touch as much you know but it has been difficult. The calls have been good. Yes. Well, you know how it is. Somebody else has got to be able to understand what it is I see, what it is I think I'm seeing. And it's good to have somebody who knows to talk to. How's little uh, Joachim? He is doing very well. Walking, talking. You know, he's, he's growing like a weed. It's, uh, it's one of the few joys in my life. Does the father know? <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, we're trying to be serious here. Sorry. Yeah. You're breaking the immersion. Get a handler on it. <laughs> Did I just name your kid, by the way? Sure. Okay. Yeah, that's a Swedish name. <laughs> Joaquin. So it's Joaquin. Yeah, that's right. Joaquin. Yeah, yeah. Hammerfall. And Sabaton. And Sabaton, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. There you go. I want to play. <laughs> <laughs> We're almost done, right? Hold on. <laughs> okay. So as you guys catch up face-to-face again, you see an old blue... Chevy Malibu pulls into the parking lot with a familiar individual driving Heisenberg. Goddamn right. He gets out of the car and without turning the engine off or even closing the door, he makes his way to stand in front of the both of you. And I don't think I've ever described what this guy, who he reminds me of. I described what he looks like, but I always envisioned him as looking like Holt McCallany. Ah. Yes. From our now unfortunately axed show Mindhunter, he was the one that played Bill Tench. Because oh, I was oh, okay. Yeah, I always thought he that's how I envisioned mm-hmm. him. He held up the crop top gray hair. Kind of burly. Yeah, kind of burly, got a got a little bit of a gut, but he's you could definitely tell he's he handles himself well. Mm-hmm. And that's who he reminds me of. He looks just as fit as he looked the first time you both had met him. And he's just as cryptic. Skipping any pleasantries or catching up, he begins right out of the gate. Did you know that if an object is at rest, that inertia will keep it at rest? But if an object is in motion, it'll stay in motion unless acted upon by an equal or opposite force. Only then can its progress be stopped. And that's exactly what we have here. We have an object that is no longer at rest. And so I need for the two of you to act upon it with equal and opposite force in order to stop it. You see, I've been contacted by a friendly at the FBI, Agent Carson. He runs BAU number four at Quantico. And the Glenridge Police Department just contacted him for assistance. A string of deaths has begun to plague the Glenridge community and our friendly flagged it as a possible Delta Green scenario. Just like last time, the mission is as follows. Get in, police up all the evidence, 
cover up or destroy any evidence you can't police up, and provide the Glenridge police with a mundane yet acceptable explanation that's sufficient enough for them to close their case. He then hands each of you a sealed envelope and says, these are your airline tickets, one voucher for a rental car, and your FBI identifications. You'll need to report to Detective Greg Hansen of the Glenridge PD under the guise of FBI consultants and offer him your assistance in solving this case. Try not to tip your hand as your credentials are bogus, and if they're looked into too closely, the jig is up. Eisenberg, do we know if anybody from Glenridge has reached out to the FBI? Yes, he has. That would be Detective Hansen. He, he specifically reached out to Agent Carson in the BAU. So Carson told him that we would be coming. He told him that he would get back to him. In which case, he promptly reached out to me because he is a friendly of the agency. What is the time limit on this? You'll be out there by 7 o'clock this evening. As it is right now, Agent Carson will be your liaison. He knows who you are and why you're there. If you have any questions on this one, or the Glenridge PD has any questions, you need to go through him. At that point, he tosses you a very familiar flip phone (laughs) and says, the only number programmed in this phone this time is Agent Carson's. So if there are no other questions, I suggest you play catch up on the plane. Your flight out of Ontario leaves within an hour. When do you need us to meet back? Get in touch with Agent Carson when you've policed up everything and had this case shut down so they no longer look at anything that they shouldn't be looking at. He will then reach out to me and update me on the status of the of the case. So we have our weapons. What does that do with our you don't, airplane? Okay. You won't, be, you won't be able to take them on the plane. That's why I was checking then. Okay. Yeah. You'll be alpha protocol, meaning that you'll procure all your own devices and weapons on site somehow, some way. Okay. Well, I'm going to call Agent Carson and let him know. Right now? Right now. (laughs) Well, as soon as we're done with Heisenberg. Okay. Call him now, and I'm going to tell him, Carson, this is the uh, Heisenberg assigned us this Well, hold on a second, because Heisenberg's still there. (laughs) Very well, then. You see Heisenberg gets back in his car, and before the door fully closes, he's already out of the parking lot and down the road. So you guys are left alone in the parking lot for a few moments, realizing that eventually you have to get your ass to Ontario Airport, which you guys are in Ontario right now. So, Cool. I'm going to call Agent Carson to ask him to contact Glenridge to let them know that we're the agents they're expecting. Then I'm also going to ask him if he can provide us with a couple of packages of uh, materials. Some things that we may need later. Gas cans? Well, not this time. <laughs> Although those septic were tank. <laughs> Yeah. We'd like a uh, septic tank and a... Uh, About 21-gallon gas cans. So these, uh, these envelopes have our credentials for showing ID at the airport yep. and all that? Yep, like laminates. They have, uh, you know, like those Skolder, Skolder and Mully. Muller and Scully <laughs> flip IDs okay. and shit like that. And they have... Uh, Inside is one voucher for a rental car as well. Okay. Okay. So, go and make your call. Make the call. Okay. It rings about two times, and then it picks up. You've reached Agent Carson of the BAU number four. Please leave a message and time and date to call. 
Agent Carson. This is Agent Adesso. I've spoken with Heisenberg. Return my call at this number. Thank you. Close it. Okay. It's a flip phone? It is. It is. Oh, why not? Remember, that's what he said. It's a flip phone. I was yeah. doing my best flippy yeah. sound. Each, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you didn't answer. Well, should get rolling. Yep. Yeah, we have a time limit. So you guys may manage to negotiate this airport. It's not a big airport. Find your gate, get on board the plane, and surprisingly enough, neither one of your seats are together. They're sporadic throughout the plane. Okay. Who am I sitting next to? <laughs> a young child who insists on kicking the chair in front of him mm. re- repeatedly. And where's his fa- mother or father? In the seat in front of him. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Where am I, who am I sitting next to? Right next to the emergency exit handle. Mm, excellent. Who's sitting next to me? Nobody. Hey, each got an empty seat. I think I'd rather hang out with the kid on the airplane. <laughs> <laughs> so after several uh, yeah. hours of you trying to convince him to come back and sit by you, <laughs> you guys finally tag and land this thing. You guys land it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> there we go. So the plane touches down at Francis S. Gabreski Airport. You guys disembark and make your way through the airport to the rental car kiosk. You see a tall blonde woman behind the counter eyes both of you as you approach and as another associate begins to greet you she cuts him off and says i'll handle these two welcome to long island gentlemen how may i be of assistance we need a car oh well what kind of car would you prefer something uh with uh, four-wheel drive suspension heavy body (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i'm sorry but we don't have that kind of vehicle perhaps another vehicle what do you recommend Something that uh, depends on what you need it for. City, highway, need something to get good gas mileage, something that makes you Point A to point B. Point A to Whatever's point. closest. Something big enough to put a body in the back. I mean, a large trunk space. A large trunk space. Um, the only thing we have is an 05 Dodge Charger in silver. That'll work. Very well. She hands you the keys. Have a good day. Next. I'm going to try Agent Carter again. Okay. Give him a call. You make the call, and once again, you're met with the same voicemail. Hmm. Well, we need some weaponry. Let's, um... Does your uh, contacts extend out to Long Island? I, I don't know. I'd have to I'd have to put some feelers out. Uh, one thing we should do, too, is check this car. Who's who's driving, by the way? Who's going to take the key? Who's got the key? As you're walking with the keys, mm-hmm. you notice that it has two keys that control the car and a smaller silver key as well. Oh. <coughs> Glove box, maybe? We'll see. We'll Trunk. get to the car. One thing we should do mm-hmm. is also check the car. We don't know what... I know they look at it for dings and nicks and all that. Um, we should check it to make sure that there's nothing... The tires aren't frayed or there's something. Just We don't know if we're going to be screaming out of there in the Dodge Charger, (laughs) you know, at light Mm -hmm. speed trying to escape something. So we should check that as well just to make sure everything is up to snuff, that we're not riding into something with a a lame horse. Got it. Um, What kind of check would that be? I think it's more of... More of an alertness. You'd you'd make an alertness 
check. Got it. It's more of just a, a yeah, we're not like necessarily going under the hood and trying to check all the things that could happen right. and stuff. It's just. So under 20. 90. I'm clueless. Uh, 90. I got 82, so I'm a little bit more aware. Looks than good to me. <laughs> <laughs> I kicked the tires. What do you want? Yeah. <laughs> See, tires. They're four. I think we're good. I put the key in the door. It opened. It works. Yeah. Okay. Right, so you guys, Paulie, you're. Uh, you're Is there gonna, any, anything Anything on the car that that other key would open? It doesn't look like it. No, I mean it looks like a, like a, kind of a key that might work on a padlock, possibly, something like that. Mm-hmm. So okay. maybe our, our lady here was, you know, part of it. Right, you know, helping us out. Great. Yeah. Uh, you want to check the trunk and all that stuff too? Just absolutely. make sure everything in the glove compartment. There's nothing that's gonna. Exactly. We check all the door pockets, interior, and the okay. trunk. Okay. You start Underneath the car. What do you want to yeah. do? Tell me what you want to do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, trunk, glove box, under the okay. seats. Just making sure that there's, you know. As you open up the trunk, you notice there is a silver case in the trunk. It's about three feet long, by about 18 inches deep, and probably about six inches in height. And it looks like it's locked. Hmm. Does the key I have happen to open that box? It's possible. Let's try it. Okay. As you pop open the steel case, you see within our two handguns, a set of two ways with boom mics, an assault rifle with a scope, two flashlights, and two cylindrical objects that look like grenades. And I'm going to hand you out a, a handout. Because you look poor! <laughs> Give me that Trump money. Okay, so I circled on this thing exactly what you have. Paulie, wants you, as the uh, expert in weapons, why don't you go ahead and explain what you have in this case? We have uh, two full-size Glock 17s and 9mm with 17-round magazines and a Colt M4223 5.56 NATO rifle with a night vision scope. Flashbang grenades rather than fragmentation, and two short-range walkie-talkie with microphones, and a nice large flashlight. Two, two right. of them. We just got one. Two flashlights. Two flashlights. Flashlights. Oh, <laughs> flashlights. Sweet. There we go. That's right. <laughs> yeah. It's because you be a guys are trip. <laughs> you guys are agents. <laughs> yeah. There we go. Yeah. So we're 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 well armed. This is good stuff. Yeah. So I. I Give one Glock to um, each. <laughs> You're gonna say you give him the flashlight. Yeah. You're just fucking loading up yeah. the Glocks on yourself, <laughs> driving down the road, with <laughs> and he's driving the car with it. Yeah, fucking assault <laughs> rifle. Did you wish he had one of these? He's got each boom mic on. on his he's head. all looking through the scope. I'm all. <laughs> <laughs> well, we divvy up the stuff, except we leave the rifle in the case, okay, and then lock it back up. Very good. You then begin your 30 minute northeastern drive to Glen Ridge. By the time you get to Glen Ridge, it's 7 o'clock at night, mm-hmm. and it's been a long day. Yeah, we have our uh, lanyards or whatever else it is on already, so if we do get pulled over, okay, we can show that and not be digging around like a bunch of rubes. What would you like to do? Where would you like to go as you pull into Glen Ridge? Glen Ridge. God, I hate that fucking word. Yeah. We're going to go well, to the uh, police station. Hansen, right? Yeah, make contact with Hanson. Okay. You enter the Glen Ridge Police Department's bullpen. And it's like a beehive of activity. 
keep it slow this time. Okay. <laughs> I understood each other. We're I'm, not I'm, their boss. All right. Our, our credentials may be higher, but they may not be. <laughs> uh, I got you. I learned from the last time. All right. So when you first enter, no one really seems to take notice of you right away because of all the activity that's going on. Wait a minute. How are we dressed? How are you dressed? See, if we're supposed to be FBI agents, I would want a suit. Well, you guys could have wore whatever you wanted to wear. I mean, sometimes they show up with, with or without a suit. Yeah, I normally I wear, like I had mentioned in our first episode, like nicer clothes and things like that when I, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's not like a suit or anything, but it's, you know, a button-up shirt and nice formal pants and things like that. Something a little scholarly, I said. Mm-hmm. So it, I, I fit that part at least. I'm not a suit, but I'm not, a, I'm not wearing my track suit, you know. Gotcha. Yeah, Paulie would have uh, put on his, you know, pants, good, cool, solid <laughs> shoes, <laughs> tactical pants. Well, there you we can march into battle now. Well, the thing is, you, pretty you much guys, anything Five Eleven puts out. You guys knew that uh, you were going in representing the FBI. Yeah. So, okay. However, you guys dress, you know that it will reflect on how people view the FBI. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, at some point, you maybe want to make an excuse as for why you look like somebody they would bring in. Mm-hmm. But that's fine the way you're dressed right now. Okay. Cool. okay. So finally, a uniform comes up and asks you, you gentlemen need something? Uh, you lost? Ooh. What can I do for you? Hi. I'm Agent Polly. We're from the FBI. We're here to see... Uh, Yo. I'm sorry, Deputy Lang. I'm sorry. Or, <clears throat> Start again there, yeah. Froggy. And it's, it's Agent, <laughs> Agent Kimura. Each, it's like... Paulie and each, like yeah, Paulie and each, man. <laughs> Together, I'm um, yeah. Agent Huey. This is Louie. Yeah, there we go. There we go. The guy's name is Lang. Say it again. Yeah. Get closer. But Glenridge, a uh, Detective Lang. Okay, gotcha. No. It's not Lang. No. Nope. Hanson. 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 Gee, I wrote it down. Wrong. I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Greg Hanson. There we go. Greg Hanson. All right. Thanks, Officer. Um, um, this is Agent Kimura. I'm Agent Adesso. We're from the FBI. We're here to see uh, Detective Greg Hansen. All right. You hear him crane back and say, Hey, Hanny, your fans from Club Fed are here to see you. And you see some dude start walking up to you. And this guy looks wiped. He's got unkempt black hair and stubble on his lantern jaw. He wears a wrinkled tan overcoat and his slacks are just as just as wrinkled and to match. And he looks and smells like he hasn't showered in a couple of days. And he introduces himself. Yeah, I'm Detective Greg Hansen. I'm in charge of this shit show here. Thank you for coming out. Uh, I, I don't mean to be rude, but uh, with so many outsiders trying to get in and get a piece of this shit, uh, I have to ask. I'm sorry, but you mind if I see some credentials? I mean, judging by the, way, by the way you guys look and... He looks at yeah. both of your identifications. And after viewing them, he hands them back. He's like, uh, you contacted Agent Carter. He sent us. How can we No, I uh, contacted an Agent Carson. You might want to check your notes there, Agent. <laughs> Carson, Carter, Lang. <laughs> Carson, Carson, like the city in Texas. You contacted an Agent Carson. He sent us. How can we help? Yeah, well... Thank you for coming out. Like I, like I said, uh, what we got is we got an unsub who's been coined the Glenridge Chiropractor. It's our first murder in, uh, in five years. And I got to say, it was so grisly, we had 
We had to identify the first Vic through fingerprints and uh, dental analysis. It unfortunately, it was determined to be our local dentist, Carl Moretti. He disappeared on September 15th and was reported missing by his wife, Caroline, after he didn't return from work that evening. And he was later found in a culvert near the edge of the Great Peconic Bay, just inside the small park. You see him kind of start to reflect, thinking about it, and kind of grows quiet for a moment. You know, Carl's body was so extensively mutilated that Dr. Santorini, our medical examiner, struggled to determine the exact cause of death. Was uh, it ever figured out? Well, aside from Carl's spine and head having been forcibly removed from his body, I imagine that would probably do it to anybody. But there's no indication whether or not he was shot first or any other indications of trauma before. Ligature marks. Yeah, there were exactly. several wounds on his body. Uh, I know that that Santorini, he's got, he's got all that information in his file over at the medical examiner's office. Uh, he'd probably be able to help you out with some of that information as well. We'd be able to get copies of those? I'm sure he could provide those for you. Thank you. We're not at liberty to dispatch that stuff out without they have to sign off on anything that comes out of his office. No problem. We'll talk to him. We did find his head, by the way. It was a small distance from the scene, but it was really weird. His lower jaw was missing, and we never did recover his spine. You know, at the, at the time, we just thought it might have been done by a drifter or a transient or something, someone passing through the town, until our second Vic came, you know, the local librarian of Glenridge High School, Vanessa Hatvan. Her body was found at the school early in the morning, hanging from the branches of an oak tree. And the mutilations re resembled that of Dr. Moretti's. Her spine had been removed, as had her head, but uh, her head was never recovered. Hmm. What about the spines? Those have been nope. recovered? We hmm. never found the spines either. Hmm. I, I assume you, maybe you knew most, most of these people? It's a small community here. Ah, uh, they, I'm sorry, then, for your loss. That must be rough. Are you... Uh, it's been a long day for us, too. I was going to get some coffee. Do you, would you like some? You can continue speaking with my associate here. That would be great. I, I take it black, please. Okay. What about you? Sounds like a good idea. All right. Let's uh, circle up and have some coffee. We can so, go through your files. Well, I'm going to go and try to get some coffee, and I just kind of want to look around, like, you know, see what's going on, see how the place okay, is. Okay, as you how, start making your peripheral. See who's watching him talking to us. Okay, yeah, that's great. As you start making your peripheral motions throughout the bullpen, heading your way towards the coffee maker, whatever. Paulie, he looks at you, and he says, you know, what we did, it was all we could do to try to keep the details of the murders from the press. Uh, but those fucking Phenomenex fucks got wind of it and leaked it out. I'm going to tell you right now, Agent, if you see them, you stay the hell away from them. Driving around in a goddamn van with a dog like fucking Scooby-Doo. Those fucks compromised my investigation, goddammit. Were there any other victims beside the two? No, just the two. How many days between the two murders? Well, Dr. M Dr. Moretti, um, he was found dead on September 15th. And uh, Hatven was found on October 7th. By the way, as I, as I mentioned, today right now is the 21st. When was Melissa found? Of October, right? Yeah. Of October, yeah. yes. When was the second victim, Melissa, when was she found? Seventh. On the seventh, yeah, Vanessa, by the way. Vanessa. 
guys. Not her sister. Melissa is okay. Gotcha. So as, as she's talking to you about all this stuff, Ichimaru, you're watching the bullpen. Go ahead and make an alertness check while you're doing that. Hey, zero seven out of 50. Okay. You notice that of all the people that are kind of gathered around the peripheral of this bullpen, a lot of, they look like uh, maybe news people or maybe other people. You just don't know who they are, whether they're concerned citizens. You do notice that there is an Asian American male, looks to be in his early 20s, and a uh, heavy set, redheaded female. And they're close by each other, but they're watching. Paulie talked to the detective. And they're, they appear to be looking at him with great interest. Mm-hmm. Are they whispering back and forth to each other, or does the look seem like... is it, It's not a, probably a look of anger, but is it a look of fear, or... No, not a look of fear at all. In fact, every once in a while, as, as they're watching, you see one of them break out a small little pocket mm-hmm. uh, pad and write something down on it. Wow, antiquated, all right. Okay. Well, um, we're in 08. Yeah. So, hey, still. <laughs> okay, so we're I, doing things old school. <laughs> I asked Hanny for his files, crime scene photos, narratives, and uh, a list of the names of the officers who responded. Yeah, I could get that for you. Um, and he goes over to one of the file cabinets and he looks through, pulls out the, uh, the file on Moretti and the file on Hatvan goes through and he starts showing you names of of the local uh, patrol individuals and then the people that handle it. He's like, well, I just want you to know that as a as a supervising de- detective here, I handled both cases. So, How can we help you? What is it we can do for you? What help can we give you? Well, right now we're worried that, that whoever did this is going to strike again. I mean, this wasn't... Come back with a coffee, too. Thank you. He reached out. As he's, mm-hmm. as he's explaining it to Paulie, he takes the coffee. Thank you very much. He's like, we just want to make sure that this isn't, we know this isn't going to be an isolated incident that eventually this, this creep, he's going to fucking strike again. Well, it, you, don't, you don't just do this twice and not have a taste for it. I would be surprised if somewhere around the country this kind of shit hasn't happened before. I mean, fucking heads missing, spines missing. Yeah, real quick uh, question. I noticed these two people over here uh, sort of looking intently and writing stuff down. It seemed like they were watching you. And who, who are you talking this, about? This uh, gentleman here in the, the red-headed lady. So the motherfuckers. He looks over, he says, Hey, Phil, do me a favor. Go take care of those phenomena fuck exes over there. And you see one of the officers goes over and starts confronting You guys are going to leave it. You hear them starting to say something about the right of the press. And, you know, we all have a right to know. And people have a right to know. And, and he ushers them out of the police department and and continues to follow them. So whatever goes on outside, okay. you, you're not privy to what's going on. Got it. Uh, Hanny, what are your impressions on this? What, 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 what strikes you about this? Well, uh, I agree with you. This, these killings seem ritualistic in their mutilation. Well, they're but, nearly but, identical, though. That's the thing. Is uh, And to me, this this suggests that, that we got some kind of a serial offender. That's that's when I contacted your agent, Carson, at the BAU. And... Uh, so I gotta ask you, you agents, have you guys have you guys worked on cases like this before? I'm hoping you guys could help bring this to a quick resolution. You know, that's well, why we, they let us. That's why they had us come here. We can't talk about pending cases. I'm sure you understand, but we have dealt with things similar like this. 
Not exactly like this with the head and spine yeah. removed. That's, that's a like, new twist. That's like from some kind of movie. But yeah. but you guys do stuff with the BAU, right? The Behavioral Analysis Unit, right? You Absolutely. guys are you guys yeah. work hand in hand with Carson, right? We've studied yes. uh, types of crimes like this before, and your assessment is correct. Oh Someone God. doing this once is one thing. Twice is a pattern. Three times it's a serial. The spines are fucking gone. We're talking like fucking predator here, man. Is there any connection between the victims? I'm just going to ask that. I'm all done. You know, I, we really haven't got into whether or not they were together or whatever. I don't think so. I mean, Moretti was happily married. Had been lived at home with the cats. Uh, I, I don't know if we're missing something. Like I said, we're just a small community. We're not really equipped to handle these kinds of things. I, I hate to say that we're incapable. We're not incapable. We've just we've never seen something like this before. What are the isolated places in your area? Because I'm thinking someone who committed this crime would need a lot of time, a lot of time alone with this victim to do what he wanted. So there's got to be a number of time, and there's got to be some space and isolation for both. Have you guys started looking around the areas? Abandoned where, buildings. Yeah, farmhouses, something. If you guys have never been to Glenridge, you know, this is definitely up a crust here. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely not up a crust. I'm part of the community, but... We have a lot of wealthy people here. There's no places around here that are that are vacant. I mean, these our citizens here, they they do very well for themselves. And so we don't have derelict buildings or houses mm-hmm. or anything that's that's ninety days on escrow things. People How about want vacation to homes. Homes that are unoccupied for a great majority of the year. Uh, maybe close to Peconic Bay there might be one or two homes where people rent them out in the in the summertime. But, that, uh, that aren't that are empty now? No, not now. I mean, it, it's October. We're not everybody that lives down here is staying down. Nobody's vacationing down here right now. I'm sure we'll see this when we see the files. But uh, do the bodies appear like the the acts weren't committed there? Were they moved from somewhere, or did it appear that they were that ha- that's where the the deed happened? Well, there was there was no much left from them other than the blood exactly where they were at. I. I gotta tell you guys, I'm not, I've never seen anything like this before. I Does mean, we're like talking were... five years since we've had something like this, and it was nothing like this. We're talking like, you know, a stupid little bar fight between college kids or something like that. No, nothing, nothing major like this. Nothing from Predator, like you said. No, I love that movie yeah. though. I didn't like the second one as much. <laughs> Did they look like they were killed where the bodies were found? That's what I just asked. I didn't get a clear answer. Oh, I didn't. <laughs> it was my opinion that probably not. But the damage that the bodies sustained was immeasurable. I mean, these these bodies, if you you should see them, they looked worked over. They were barely identifiable. Where are the bodies now? At the coroner's office? At the medical examiner's office. He's still doing his thing. He doesn't think that this is over either. Let's go talk to him. Let's just see if we can learn anything from seeing the bodies before we start crawling around town. As you guys are making your decision, you hear one of the officers yell out over the bullpen, Hey, Hanson, I got a call on line, too. Seems this chiropractor bastard struck again. We got a report of a missing girl. He's like, holy fuck. All right, let's ride, boys. Let's go. You boys coming with us? Absolutely. We'll follow. All right. That is where we will end session one. Oh, right on. Great. Good idea. Let me go take a piss. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. You know what time it is.
or uh, five o'clock? Who we gonna? <laughs> Is it almost <laughs> fucking past five o'clock? It's like beating the horse. The, holy shit, dude! He's like raping the dead horse here. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Yeah. Thank you for joining us once again on Roll the Hard Twenty podcast. Remember, you can find us and subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. And if you like what you're hearing, please leave us that five-star review. You could also contact the show directly at RollTheHard20Podcast at gmail.com or head on over to the website at RollTheHard20Podcast.com. And be sure to check out the galleries. we got a lot of really interesting stuff posted there. And finally, join us on our Patreon page at Patreon.com slash RollTheHard20Podcast. There are ways for you to help out the show and pick up swag. So until next session, keep your dice warm and your glass full as you roll those hard 20s.